Hi, I'm Bronte. I am a cultural overeater. Uh, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. All right. I feel very nervous, so I'm just going to ask God to come in. Help me to just be a channel. Um, welcome to the newcomers, or if anybody's new, I uh, came into program almost eight years ago. And I was very angry, very resistant. I thought this was the worst name in the world. I hated the name Overeaters Anonymous. I didn't want to call myself a compulsive overeater. I was so angry. Um, but I was, I was desperate enough to try something new. So I'll just go back to what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I grew up here in L.A. I grew up in a family that cared a lot about what you look on the outside, always need to focus on looking good, cared a lot about status. You know, in Tradition 6, it talks about money, property, prestige. Like, that was my family. Money, property, prestige. And there was also a lot of love there. And a lot of good. And unfortunately, I couldn't see any of that. And I spent my entire life blaming my parents, blaming my mom, especially for what I thought I didn't get um, as an adult. And, you know, my mom is a very beautiful woman. She's attractive. She's fit. She's thin. She's like the kind of person where she walks into a room and people would be like, oh my God, your mom's so hot. And mm -hmm. I, I took that and I made it mean that I'm not good enough because I don't look like her. And my entire life, like, I created this almost, like, competition of, like, I'm never going to be good enough. Like, I'm never going to get her approval or she's never going to love me. And um, I remember the, the food thoughts, like, first came up when I was, I think, 12 or 13 years old. And it was, like, the first time I remember I'd weighed myself and I weighed more than her. And I immediately made that mean, like, there's something wrong with me. Like, how could I weigh more than my own mom? And I wasn't, like, an overweight child, but that was the first time I experienced shame around my weight. And I remember, like, crying hysterically, like, this isn't right, this isn't normal. And, you know, throughout, like, middle school, high school, I was a very active kid. I played two varsity sports. Um... There was a lot of perfectionism that went on. I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well in school. And, you know, just like the good, perfect kid, got all A's. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself to get into a good college. You know, like really defined the SATs to like, that number was like my self-worth. And I took it three times, and each time I did, like, significantly worse. And just, like, the anxiety that I felt to just, you know, be perfect and get my parents' approval. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I, I made my world so small. And, and I remember, like, I studied abroad in Israel, my, uh, my ten, my sophomore year of high school, and you know I was everything was like pretty normal until then, and that was like the first time I had like gained a significant amount of weight, and that was the first time it was like I had a falling out with friend, and like basically just like life happened, and I did not know how to deal with it, and I just started like picking up, 
and I just started like eating things because I thought that I could. And um, and I I came back and I gained weight and like you know like a lot of girls like you know came back from this study abroad and had gained weight and they would just like laugh at themselves. And I and I like hate, I started to hate myself. I started to feel that shame. I started to feel like, what's wrong with me? And I remember, like, my mom made a comment of, like, oh, you just need to go back to the way that you were, like, before. And so it's, like, my brain likes to make formulas. And I made, you know, was like, okay, I was good before I went on this program. Now I'm bad. And I spent, like, the next couple years just trying to go back, just trying to go back. Just trying to go back to the way that I was before when I was like 15 and like my body was evolving I like could not go back to the way that I was but it was like this shame that I felt and um, and it was like and then I went to college and my disease like escalated tremendously and when they say like it's a progressive disease like I didn't understand until like I literally could not stop thinking about food, body, weight, and myself, and how to get skinny, and like every day, like my mission and my purpose in my life was like, how am I gonna lose weight? How am I gonna get skinny? What can I try today? I'm not trying hard enough. I don't have enough willpower. What's wrong with me? Um, it like, it would not stop. I felt like I had like 50 people in my brain all the time. Like it was like this debate team that it like, I literally could not shut it off. And um, just constantly putting me down, just constantly, like, telling me that I'm not good enough. And, like, I had a pretty abusive relationship with myself. I would wake up in the morning, and I would, like, look in the mirror and just start, like, being really mean. And I would pinch places of my body and just, you know, tell myself, like, if only, if only you didn't have this, if only you were this number on the scale, then you will be, you know, worthy and good enough. And, like, for, like, throughout college, it was like this roller coaster of like I would go to college, I gain weight, I'd come back, and the summers I would literally just restrict, and I would remove myself from life because I felt like I didn't deserve to live, like I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to like walk into a room if I wasn't a certain size, and you know I was like really convinced that it was like if I just get the perfect trainer, if I just get the perfect nutritionist, like then I'll be okay. And, you know, naturally, it did not work. It wasn't something that I could, like, think my way out of. And, you know, I really did think it was a thinking problem. I really did think it was a willpower problem. I really did think, like, I'm not trying hard enough. And, you know, throughout that, like, period of my life, I would get, of course, compliments when I lost weight. And people would tell me, like, oh, my God, you look so good. And I would take that, and it would, like, give me this hit. And it was, like, oh, my God. Like, it's, like, as if I made it. And and I put so much, like, pressure on myself of, like, I can't lose that. Like, I can't lose that feeling. I can't lose that, you know, the way people think about me now. And um, And so, yeah, it was a lot of restricting that's when like my restrictor really became loud and I just I remember it was like you say you go through like any lengths like I remember I was in Boston and I 
trekked in the snow to go to a diet center for her to like weigh me and measure me and basically tell me I'm not doing it right. And um, and it was like I was I just wanted like the answer and I just wanted the solution and like everyone told me like especially my mom like once you lose the weight it's it's gonna like disappear like it's gonna stop like once you lose the weight and because that's what happened for her you know she's like I lost weight lost the weight when I was 22 and I was just like you and so I really thought like okay once I lose the weight this is gonna stop my brain is gonna stop and it never did and it just got and it just got worse and worse and worse and so it was my senior year of college and um I had been doing like a some sort of diet at the time, and also one of the one of the miracles of my program, and, and I'll just say um, I realized I didn't qualify. But um, how much time is that? Who's time? Oh, um, my abstinence is no binging, no restricting, and one day at a time it's not on my abstinence to not eat dessert but one day at a time I don't eat dessert because one I just don't know how and two it doesn't help me be I ask myself like what helps me be a better person in the world and if something is taking way too much space in my brain it's not worth it and um and so going back it was my senior year of college and you know my sister was there also and we planned to go to dinner that night and I had already like had this like plan or like all these rules for myself before I went into to to go eat and a lot of like my relationship with eating was like I deserve and you know it's like I've been restricting all day I've been so good all day now it's my turn and I get to eat and I deserve it um like so much justification for like why I could pick something up like I could come up with any reason any reason and so I go to this dinner and I had all these rules for myself and like I literally like it's crazy I have it in one of my journals and it was like I only allowed myself to eat this many calories and you know you're you're only allowed to have this and not this and you can have this and you can have this and it's it's exhausting it was so exhausting just living in my brain and but it was like I was so afraid and I so like just did not feel safe in the world that like that was my way of trying to feel safe and um, so you know we're at dinner and I ordered and and I went against what I had thought I was supposed to eat like I, I went against the rules and and um, you know so the waiter like he at the end of the meal he brings like a free cake and he's like it's on the house and like normal people are like wow great like a free cake but like I was angry because it was like this is getting in the way and and I also was like you know my brain was like okay like if I'm gonna have something like if I'm gonna break the rules if I'm gonna go against this like it's gonna be ice cream like I don't want this it's like it was inconvenient and um (laughs) And then, you know, my sister was like, oh, I'll just have a little bit. She goes and has a little bit. And then I, like, I'll just have a little bit. And she goes to the bathroom, and she comes back. And I, like, had finished the cake. And I was, like, mortified. Like, I was 
so scared of myself. Like, how could I do something like that? Like, you know, like regular people when they like break a diet or they eat a little bit more than they, they're like, they're like, yeah, you know, like that wasn't good. But, you know, they go on with their lives. I ate more than I thought I was supposed to. And I, I felt like I wanted to kill myself. Like, I felt like I didn't deserve to live. I felt like I was like a criminal that needed to be locked up. And um, I was so disgusted with myself. And it was really that, like, self-demoralization that they talk about in the big book. Like, I was mean. I became nasty. I was mean to the waiter. I was mean to my sister. I came back into the car, and I just remember, like, hysterically crying of, like, why can't I do this? Like, why can't I figure this out? Why do I keep breaking my promises? And, um, you know, how many times did I promise myself I'm going to eat this, I'm not going to eat this, I'm not going to eat this, I'm not going to eat this, and I would just break it. And I'd be like, what is wrong with you, Bronte? Like, why can't you just get this? And it was the first time that I came back to my apartment that night, and I tried to make myself throw up. And it really, really scared me. And... Um, Thank God that's, like, the bottom that I needed to realize, like, I needed help. And, you know, I probably could have kept going, but for me, like, that really scared me. It was, like, something bigger than me, like, came in and was, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, there has to be another way. Like, I was going in a very dark trajectory. <coughs> and um, I remember, you know, my my dad is a is a 12-step guy and he'd seen my relationship with food growing up and he told me like he always told me like you need a spiritual solution around food and I was like what the f are you talking about like what does that even mean like I thought the word spiritual was weird I thought it was all this woo-woo stuff and like you want me to go meditate in the corner and that's gonna make me lose weight and you know, like now I meditate like in my life here and there, so I don't think it's weird. But like at the time, I was like, you know, there was like we were not seeing eye to eye. I was like, you don't get this. And um, my therapist had told me about OA, and my dad had actually tried to take me to an OA meeting when I was 18. And I remember like I just really, I really trusted my dad, and um, I saw how he had transformed through the 12 steps of AA. And so when they talk about, like, attraction, not promotion, it wasn't, like, the promotion aspect that got me into the rooms. It was, like, I saw something. I saw how the way that he carried himself and the way that he lived his life. And um, that is what gave me the willingness, along with the, you know, gift of desperation. And I remember I calling, calling him when I hit my bottom and I was just like devastated and he was like congratulations he started laughing he was like congratulations you've been given the gift of desperation and I was like I want to die like <laughs> like how is that funny but you know like looking at my life today I was like I'm so grateful I'm so grateful that I was that desperate enough because it's like I don't want to go back and um I called my, you know, my therapist had kind of told me about OA in the past, and um, 
you know, and I just was, and I was just kind of like, F you, like, I'm not going to go to a program called Overeaters Anonymous, I'm not going to call myself a compulsive, compulsive overeater, like, she told me to go to OA, and I thought she was calling me fat, and I was like, I don't belong there, and I remember when I was 18, and I went to my first meeting, it was like, I was so not ready, because like, there were beautiful people in the room, like, with light in their eyes, and all I saw was like, people who were overweight and that's like literally all my brain saw and I was like offended that he took me there um but like you know you're ready when you're ready and I was ready when I was ready and I remember like going to my first meeting it was a women's night I think it was a women's meeting and it was like the first time that like I heard people who were speaking the insanity that was going on in my brain and I like didn't think that it was possible that people like actually were like living between their meals because like I was constantly just grazing and like I could binge on anything like I could binge on anything healthy like I could binge on fruit I can binge on vegetables like that was like my justification of like it's okay because it's healthy but my behavior was not normal you know like I I would finish something and I'd be so uncomfortable and um and a lot of my like my relationship with food, it was restrict, 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 and then binge, and then hate myself. And then it was like, oh, you know, you know, the case of the Mondays, you can just start on Monday. And, um, and it never worked, and it just got worse. And so I went to my first meeting, and, like, and it's just, like, I'm also, like, so grateful for the opportunity to speak. Thank you, Tammy, because it really just, it really, like, takes me back, and it really, like, gives me the opportunity to remember and like reflect on what it was like and what my life looks today and I'm just really really grateful and you know I remember at the meeting there was this woman who shared and she was like um she was talking about how she like went to the beach and how she like experienced serenity and I was you know I was like so broken and I was like what the hell is she talking about serenity like going to the beach and um, I was going a million miles an hour, like, go, 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 go. I was like, I didn't even have time to think about serenity. Um, you know, and then I started to hear people, like, use words like, you know, self-care and be, just be gentle on yourself. And I was just like, I don't know, understand what these people are talking about. Like, I don't know how to be nice to myself. Thank you. Um, and... You know, I, I got a sponsor, I started working the steps, and, you know, slowly my, my life began to change, and I started to experience more freedom in my life. And, um, you know, one of the things that I was, like, reflecting on last night, and, like, the biggest change for me has been, like, my relationship with my mom. Oh, crap. <laughs> and I remember, like, coming back from college my freshman year and I gained weight and I like remember like literally having a panic attack of like how am I gonna show myself to her like she's not gonna you know she's not gonna approve of me and I was so embarrassed and my whole life was like this this 
roller coaster of like you know my family and my life and my community there's a lot of events there's a lot of parties there's a lot of wedding there's a lot of you need to look good and there's a lot of pressure on like fitting at least I perceive it as pressure of like fitting into the right dress so then you can look good so then you can meet the guy and then you can get married and like that's the goal <laughs> and um and so it was like I was constantly just like restricting until I could fit on a certain number on the scale or in a dress. And um, I could never win with the scale, you know. And thank God in my life I don't weigh myself today since I came into the rooms. It was like every time I stepped on the scale and it was lower than what I thought, I would use it as an excuse to eat. And if it was more than I would thought, when I thought it would be, I would use it as an excuse to like beat the shit out of myself in the gym. So I was never going to win. But going back to my relationship with my mom, like, I remember coming back from, from college and, you know, she would, like, try to, like, give me love and she tried to give me a hug and my body would just have a reaction. And, uh, like, I couldn't receive any of it. And, uh, you know, the fact that we have a relationship today and that I could see her as a human being. Um, and people told me, always told me, like, oh, you, you know, your parents did the best that they could. And I was just kind of like, screw that. And like, no, they didn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really, I really do believe. And, like, you know, when I'm able to, like, look at my part and take responsibility for myself, like, <coughs> how many times when people say things to me, did I take it personally? You know, did I make it mean something it's not? And, you know, like, I would hear my mom, she would compliment, like, very thin women, be like, oh, my God, she has such a good body. And I made it mean that I'm not good enough because I don't look like that. And I personalized everything. And, um, you know, when I'm able to, like, separate my insanity and not put things through the Bronte filter, I can have a relationship with people. And, you know, one of, like, the silver linings of, of COVID was, like, there was no parties and there was no events and there was no of, like trying to look good all the time and we were just like stripped away from all of it and it was like the first time in my life at like 20 27 28 years old that like I feel like I got to know my mom like I didn't know her before like I put her in this box of like she's materialistic she's superficial she doesn't care about anything else and I didn't and I honestly I didn't know her and when I got to like sit down with her and ask her questions of like you know what was your childhood like what was it like leaving your country when you were 14 years old and, you know, coming to to the U.S. and just having so much more compassion than I did before? And, like, now I can honestly say that, like, I love her with an open heart. And, and you know, to just be able to, like, give her a hug without having that fear, like, is such a miracle. Um, there's so many miracles of this program. And, you know, my relationships... The, the fact that, like, I can wake up in the morning and, you know, my first thought is it, how am I going to get skinny today? And that, like, I have a, a full life and, a, like, like, that I'm living, you know? Like, people say, like, life is in session and, you know, it's like I have hobbies and I actually love to go to the beach and that's where I feel, like, the most connected to God and I have a relationship with God today and God of my own understanding. And... And I play beach volleyball every weekend, and I salsa dance, and, you know, it's just, it's just like a beautiful, there's a beautiful life out there that I get to live.
and I'm not like a victim too. And I'm not constantly feeling like I'm wrong with every five seconds and it's not fair. So um, I think that's my time. Um, I'm really grateful for my life. So thanks for letting me This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Yes. Thank you for your share. When do you think was the time that from I'm not good enough switch to I am um, thank you the question is when when did it switch from I'm not good enough to I am good enough and um, in program I've heard it, people say that in order to build self-esteem we do see mobile apps. and so you know going to meetings and taking a commitment like it helped me feel part of the group. It helped me feel, um, you know, that I was contributing something. And, you know, my brain is very sneaky. Like, it still could go there. Like, it could still um, tell me that I'm not good enough in certain situations. But um, it was more like, it's more like, like, I'm powerless over my first thought, but I'm not powerless over my second thought. And it was like, I have a, I realized like I have a choice. And I think it was really like when I did the fourth step and I started to realize like where I have a part in certain things and like I have a choice to engage like in my like victim character defects or I have a choice to like, you know, pick up the phone, call someone else, like share about it or like call a newcomer and ask how they're doing. So like it didn't happen overnight. I think it's something that's still evolving, but um I mean, the fact that, like, I could, like, look in the mirror today and I don't hate myself um, is a miracle. And I think just um, really just, like, like working the program and realizing that, like, I have, a, I have a choice to, like, run with the I'm not good enough thoughts or I can do something about it. And a lot of it is, like, I can't think with my way out of my own thinking. So, like, really just bringing God in and asking for help. The more that that relationship is strong and active and working, the more that, like, I can realize, like, oh, I'm okay. Like, I'm enough. Like, I'm taken care of. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What do you do on a daily basis? To, like, how have you built that relationship with your higher power? What do you do on a daily basis? So the question is, what do I do to create a relationship with my higher power? Um, in the mornings, or I heard when I came into program that people who had strong recovery get on their knees and pray. And I don't come from a religion where we get on our knees and pray, but I was, you know, willing to take direction. And so, um, so in the mornings, I do two daily readers and. Um, and I get on my knees and pray. But I think the biggest thing that happened for me was realizing that, like, I have access to, my, to a relationship with God at any time of the day. You know, whether it's in the morning, whether it's at night, it was like, and it felt weird, but, like, really just 
going out and, like, talking to God, like, out loud and just saying, like, even just saying, like, God, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel scared, but I need help. And I'm struggling. And just, like, really, and my, and the relationship with God is, like, it goes both ways. So, like, I have to, I have to work it. Like, I have to, you know, I have to use it or else it's, you know, it's not going to work. Um, and then also just where do I feel connected to God is like really at the beach or like when I'm taking care of myself and it's definitely those moments where I'm like I feel scared or I feel alone and I'm just like my feet thank God like I have smart feet now and it's like I need to get to a meeting and for me it was like recently I've been feeling like super disconnected from LA and it was like I I mean, thank God for Zoom. I think it was amazing. But, like, I was like, I need to get my butt in a chair. And, like, I need to be seen. And I need people to see me. And I need to, you know, just take that step one and say, like, I'm a compulsive overeater. My life is unmanageable. Um, so it is a, it's a daily work in progress. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your share. Good morning. Um, following on a little bit about the, the, the God and the higher power, can you talk about, I don't know what your relationship was with a higher power when you first came in yeah. or growing up, but can you talk about your development of this idea of a power greater than myself and how you got to this relationship that you have with God now? I, I know how you maintain it. Yeah. How did you get there? Okay. The relationship is how did I get to my relationship with God today? Um, so growing up, I my concept of a God was like, I've heard it called like a getcha god. So if like if I if I like do something good, then then God's gonna bless me, and if I do something bad, then like God's gonna punish me. And I heard like in my home, if someone like like if my mom like did something wrong, I would hear her say like, oh like God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me. So I'm like, oh I like there's like a it felt like a punishing God, and. Um, and then I, you know, I, uh, I had, how do I say this? It was like, I believed in a, a God of my religion, but I, it wasn't like a spiritual relationship that I was accessing or going to that I felt safe, that I could really feel like I'm taken care of. And once I did, um, started working the steps and I got to create like a want ad for God, and I got to create a list of all the characteristics that I want my higher power to have, it was like, oh, this is a relationship with God as I understand him. And sometimes I forget. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, still feel it, like, almost in my body of, like, I'm going to get in trouble, like, if I do this. Or, like, you know, when I first started, like, letting the food in because I, like, was restricting so hard, I was, like, I was scared that like something was going to come down and strike me down like I was a bad person and um I was really like trusting and taking that step three of like God I don't know what my body is supposed to look like but like like whatever I'm supposed to be like it's yours you know like and I also just I don't have the ability to see myself clearly um I really loved this reading in the four today, and that's why I brought it here, because it was like, I read it yesterday, and it's exactly about God and having a relationship with God, and I was like, this put, 
this put like my feelings into words when like I didn't have the words. And so it's August 19th, if anyone's interested in checking it out. But it says, all growth, all healing depends on love. Love is what God is all about. A loving God, as I understand God, does not preach or dictate or threaten. God is my backer, supportive of me no matter what I do. God does not make deals. Do this and I'll do that. God does not bully or punish or say, I told you so. God listens and accepts me as I am, loves me as I am. God doesn't give advice. God knows that learning comes only from experience. Experience I am not led to until I am ready. For today, God's perfect love is mine anytime I am willing to receive it. I let go of the God of my childhood and believe with all my heart in this in this God that brought me here and gave me a new life. And also, like, I just need to be reminded. And that's why I'm so grateful for sponsorship is, like, I'll call my sponsor and share something. And she, like, Bronx, you, there's no God in any of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, you know, so it's like, where am I gripping? Where am I holding on? Where am I in self-will and control and trying to figure it out? Um, so I hope that helps. Yeah, thank you. So much. That's perfect. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Yes. Um, thank you so much for your lead. Um, where do you still struggle today from a character defects perspective? And how do you get out of it when you're in it? Where do I still struggle from a character defect perspective? Um, I was like, how do I answer this question? And then it just came like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I I remember. So, um, like, people-pleasing, caring what other people think about me, fear. Fear is a big one. Comparing, comparing to Sarah. Um, and I'll just give like a little story. So, this is one of my favorite things to like obsess about today. Is um, I've been living in a three bedroom apartment for the last three years, and I've had seven roommates. And it's become this apartment where people just come in, get married, and move out. And it's like, it's like literally, like, you know, just, it's become like the, the lucky apartment, so people say, the marriage apartment. If you want to get married, move in here. And, um, and, you know, it's like literally, I like, I sometimes sit and I'm like, this is a joke. Like, this is an effing joke. And, um, and so it's like I, so one of my roommates is about to get engaged this weekend, and the other one was telling me the other day, like, you know, we're going to go pick out a ring soon. And it's very easy for me to go into what's wrong with me, you know? Like, I'm the only one who's still here from the beginning. Like, what am I doing wrong? And, um, and realizing, like, where, where am I not, not trusting God? And two, it was like, I had this thought the other day, and it was like, I did not know how to have, like, intimate relationships with women before I came into the room. I was jealous. I was resentful. I compared. And, um, and you know, the majority of the women who I've lived with have become, like, my best friends today. And, and I really do believe, like, God put each of them in, in my life for a reason. And so it was like, if I'm being really honest with myself, it was one, am I actually get ready to get married tomorrow? No. Two, God, can you help me celebrate the women in my life and the good things that are happening to them? And, you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge where it like, feels like it's in my face all the time, and then I get it from my family, like the pressure of, like, 
you know, you're 29, whatever that means. And, um, and it's really so it's like I'll see my, my defects come up. And then I need the help of other people in programs to help me see that, like, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And my sponsor tells me, is like, you know, God is right on schedule. He's never early and he's never late. And, um, and I love that. And it's also just really, like, turning my dating life over to God and realizing that, like, I don't have this. And, like, you know, it's going to work out. It's going to work itself out. But, like, when I'm gripping and I'm in fear and I'm trying to control and, you know, it's like, and my ego is so bruised because I care what everyone thinks about me of, like, you know, people like, oh, you're still at that apartment or who do you live with now? And it's like, what am I making that mean? You know, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. And my sponsor, like, reflected back to me the other day and she's like, thank you. She's like, it's the worst thing in your life right now is that people are getting married around you. She's like, how important, you know, how important is it? And it really, like, right-sized me. So, thanks. I hope. <laughs> yes. Um, what's your definition of self-care, and what do you do to get yourself there? Thank you. Um, self-care is putting myself first. In a, in a loving way, whether it's, you know, going for a walk or um, getting a massage or doing something, like, fun for myself. So I mentioned that, like, I love to dance. And um, I could be, like, so in it in my head. And then when I when I go dancing, I literally feel like, like my heart, oh, like, it brings me so much joy. It's really anything that brings me, that brings me joy. And sometimes it's spending time by myself, and sometimes it's doing something that I love. So apart from not liking the name, <laughs> what else do you not like about the program? But you kind of have to do, you know, and you find that it does help you though you don't like it. Uh, the question is, apart from the name, Overeared is Anonymous, what else do I not like, but I tolerate? Find that you do. Find that I do. you got to do, and maybe there's a benefit from it. Um, what, do you, what, what are you resisting about? What am I resisting? I mean, something my sponsor told me is, like, recovery is inconvenient. Like, it's, it's not going to be, like a walk in the park and filled with rainbows and butterflies like most of the time like I, I don't want to be here I don't want to pick up the phone when somebody calls me like it, it can feel annoying but I do it because my life depends on it I don't really have like the luxury to think that like uh, I, I don't like this you know what I mean it's like um, it's I do it because it saves my life and um and has given me a light, like a life beyond that I could ever imagine. Mm. Yeah, obviously there's things that like I have an opinion about, but I can have an opinion about anything. And um, and I just know that like when I'm here and I take direction and I do what I'm told and I like and I sit in the chair, then miracles start to happen in my life. Mm. And it's it's like one of those things where it's like you can't like explain how it works, but like it works. And um, I've just experienced so much freedom in my life, so um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful. Thank you. Yes. Hi, uh, what was your experience with the ninth step? The ninth step. 
Um, let's see. I think the biggest impact for me was like the living amends. Um, one is to my mom that I practice on a daily basis and just being like showing up for her as a daughter. And another one is um, with my with a cousin of mine who like we grew up the same age and our moms are sisters and my whole life like I compared myself to her and she was like very like free and happy-go-lucky and didn't care about anything and just like she like I put on a pedestal as like the example of freedom (laughs) and you know like I whenever I was with her like it got to the point where I was like so jealous and resentful like I couldn't even look her in the eye like I was not present when I was around her and um and it talks about like like something in the OA 12 and 12 of like you know we make our amends um a living amends like if you five years of jealousy then it's like five years of love something like that and I was actually with her last night and she was like sharing about her her life with me and I was sitting there and I was present and like after I like I just gave her a hug and I was like oh my god like this is such a miracle because like a couple years ago like I could not do something like this like I could not be present with her because like I was judging I was critical I was resentful I was like I was in my own insecurity that like I couldn't show up as like a loving person or a loving cousin and um so yeah thank you yes I don't know what business you're in, by the way, but if you have an apartment where everybody moves in, you can marry that spring. You talked about like having a time when you were like really certain you would wake up and like pinch and yeah. check body check everything. Did you ever get to a place where you were able to consciously stop doing that? Did that help to draw your struggle to help us? We can talk after the meeting. (laughs) Thank you for the question. Um, that is (laughs) it.